podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello there, my name is Miles Jupp, cricket fan, and together with my co-host Mark Wood, actual cricket man, we invite you to listen to Middle Please Umpire, a new cricket podcast containing the two of us banging on and sounding off together about cricket and quite possibly all manner of other things, while lifting the lid on Mark's life as an international cricketer. And as if that wasn't enough, we shall be welcoming some great guests along the way and chatting to them about life on and off the playing field as they spill the beans, drop some truth bombs and see if they can withstand the scrutiny of our brutal interrogations. Middle Please Umpire is available right now from all your favourite podcast providers. Hello and welcome to the Whistleblowers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Smith. I'm here as ever with Martin Gritton. Hello, Martin. Hello, Mark. Hello. And Gareth Dobson. Hello, Gareth. Hi. Nice to be here. Yeah. Nice to have you here. Um, right, listen. It's been a fun weekend. We've all had a good time. I've not seen as much football as I normally do, believe Whoa. it or not. I got that bombshell at the start. But I did see the crucial bits and I saw a lot of the highlights. So you might have to fill me in on certain gaps. But I think it's only right we start with the biggest game of the weekend. Probably the biggest game of the season so far, and that's fair to say, isn't it? United versus Liverpool. Liverpool versus United, I should say. Uh, Gareth, I assume you watched that. Um, did. Now, all I've heard from people is that they thought it was boring. I loved it. I found that one of the most engrossing games of the season. I couldn't take my eyes off it. And even though nothing actually really happened, at every second of the game, it felt like it could happen. What did you make of it? I, I, I agree. It wasn't It wasn't boring. It, you know, maybe it wasn't the highest quality game of football, but there, there were instants and there were drama. I, I think your point about it was the excitement of what might happen is what carried it through. You know, when, you know, Manchester United really pushed, obviously they were caught offside a million times, but I think that kind of spoke to, you know, them being the, the coiled spring, really trying to push forward and, and take their opportunities. And yeah, even right to the end, I thought that it, it was in the balance. The, the the biggest issue for me was how striking it is, how blunted Liverpool seem at the moment, which is kind of, yeah, I don't think you're expecting the drop off to be this quick. Um, Firmino is is the biggest issue for me. He just looks uh, cooked is unfair, but you know he's he's well away from where he was. Cooked and bombed. Grits, do you agree with that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, it comes down to uh, Liverpool not being able to, to fire, but there's so much exciting to watch about Man United at the minute and certainly being a Man U fan that's that's changed dramatically over the last 12 months hasn't it um, yeah I, I think the, the partnerships for for Klopp uh, Firmino it's an interesting one because he's not always relied on he can be the, the one that kind of facilitates everything and maybe you know it just shows how important he is to be able to bring the best out of Mane and, and uh, Salah yeah, yeah. I do think, though, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about Liverpool being blunt and yeah, th- with good reason. They're definitely missing Jota, but he wasn't even there last season, so they can't they can't put too much yeah. on that. But I do think that teams are just defending differently against the champions, and that happens every time there's a new champion. And that's why it's harder to be a champion and to retain a trophy. I mean, if, if United had gone out and been more expansive and really gone for the jugular... Yes, they might have won the game, but equally Liverpool would have all of, all of a sudden looked far more dangerous because that's what they're used to playing with, space, isn't it? Well, yeah, I, I think they're high-pressed. Usually when the ball high up the pitch, have to have the other team so exhausted and just, you know, decision-making so much harder when, when you're tired and when you haven't got the ball. And uh, Liverpool rely on that, causing that chaos. You know, it's something they took to the next level. You know, City were really good at that, pressing high and winning yeah, it high. Yeah. But but Liverpool took it to the next level. And then 
you know, just their transition from from uh, slow to quick was just almost unmanageable. And I think you're right. I think other teams have just learned how to slow that down. Yeah, Gareth, um, Solskjaer has come out after the game and said they probably should have won that game, or certainly they could have won that game. And I think I think we both, I think we all agree they had the, the better chances. But there seems to be a lot of talk about Solskjaer being, you know, naive and not going for it. But I would argue that if he had gone for it and Liverpool had scored, we'd be hammering Solskjaer today. We'd be mm. saying he's not mature enough to cope at this level. That's not what Jose or Klopp or any of these guys would have done. So really, he played that game pretty well. I thought they 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 sort of they they attacked at smart times, didn't they? I, yeah, I agree. I I think that uh, the point was probably more valuable to Manchester United because you know they're they're the pretenders to the phone throne they're the one who are you know on the chase still and I, I think the other key aspect is Manchester United's best game is as is as a counter-attacking team I, I don't necessarily think that when they go and take the ball by the horns they actually play that much better yeah, so I think yeah. you know that they're, they're set up to play like that and they had the chances you know Rashford towards the end should have scored and if he'd scored it would have you know been the which, Rashford, the which, which, which one was that sorry Gareth um it was the, when he's running through and Fabinho cuts him out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, so there were plenty of openings, weren't there? And Pogba also probably should have scored. Bruno could have scored. I can't really think of any real clear-cut chances for Liverpool. Have I missed something there? Did, did they have any clear-cut chances? Not Fabinho had a... Sorry, Firmino had a couple of sort of snatches at it, didn't he? Yeah, but that was, was it, really. There were moments where, you know, if there was a better final ball or if they were a little yeah, more decisive, yeah. they, they could, have, could have gone through. But... Um, you know, I yeah, I agree. I think Manchester United probably on balance, you would say, were more likely to win it. I, I think the other the other big issue for Liverpool is the the huge drop off in the form of Alexander Arnold. I mean, we everyone knows how reliant they've been on the the two fullbacks, and Alexander Arnold this this year has just been really out of form. Apparently, his you know he had uh, COVID, and he has taken a lot longer than some players to recover. And obviously, oh, really? Okay. yeah, you can't judge, you know, everyone has different reactions and, you know, can take different periods of time to come back from it. But yeah, he yeah. really has struggled. But he's never, he's never been, he's never been a great defender, but he's always managed to be so unbelievably impressive going forward that that would paper over any of those cracks. But now he's not doing it going forward. He's sort of getting exposed a bit now, isn't he, Grits? Yeah, do you know, the, the other thing that was a big outlet for him is obviously his, his dead ball and set pieces in his corners. Yeah. The the lack of goals from elsewhere in the pitch would be the most alarming thing for Liverpool. Like, Van Dijk would always crop up with an important goal. Yeah, five um, or six a season, isn't it, for Van Dijk? And, and do you know what? That Those are the game, goals that win these games. You know, yeah. that set piece, that lapse in concentration or just that um, someone's ability over someone else to, to win a ball. And Van Dijk had that and then the quality from Alexander-Arnold. All it takes is one or two moments like that to get your confidence back up and get you fo- refocused and get us thinking about them differently again. And uh, yeah, that's, yeah, the, yeah. That's, the, that's the margin that I think Liverpool are really struggling to, to work within at the minute. Well, I think Alexander-Arnold was relieved that it was uh, Martial on the left because Martial... Uh, maybe not quite fully fit at the moment, wasn't too effective against Liverpool or against Trent Alexander-Arnold. But you can see fear in the eyes once Rashford switched over to that side. He does not fancy playing against Rashford, and nor should he. I mean, Rashford's unbelievable. But even you know, even Rashford, who wasn't particularly on form yesterday, I still think that it's it's such a weapon to have when you we strike fear into a fullback like that, isn't it? 
Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, the 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 contrast in their playing styles. Rashford's uh, always on the front foot. He's always looks like he's just about to either lose control of it or take that final touch to get away from somewhere. Whereas Martial likes to slow it right down and go from a standing start, yeah, yeah, yeah. Beat, beat you with a bit of skill. And that, if I was a defender, I know which I prefer. But yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. I, th- I think yeah, that yeah. that that key. Um, of of Man United having those different sorts of players uh, to really mix it up. You know, I, I wouldn't like to play against Mane or Salah, but at the same time, um, with Man United, you just never know quite what you're up against. We mentioned Salah there. Uh, Luke Shaw, I mean, he's he's blown hot and cold for a few years. He had that awful injury. Um, he's absolutely back to his best, though, isn't he? I mean, I, I've not seen anybody, I've not seen anybody pocket Salah like that. I don't think ever. I thought it was unbelievable. Gareth, what do you make of it? It was, uh, yeah, I, I haven't been a huge fan. Of it, and obviously he's, like you said, he's... he's and why had, would you be? He's, he's, been, he's, he's had plenty of downs, right? Yeah, and he, he doesn't always look like, you know, he's the fittest or maybe in, in, in the best shape, uh, which maybe is just his natural build. That might be unfair, but he's been very good over the last couple of months. I think a lot of people, when Manchester United brought in Tellez, um, they they thought that was going to be it for him. And, and in fact, he's obviously risen to that challenge and he, he's kept uh, Alex Tellers out of the team who you know, is another very good attacking player um, and I think also for England um, given that there is a dearth of left backs that it must bode quite well for him in that position yes you've got to imagine it's, it's, it's either of those two but you mentioned Tellers there this is why those big clubs want to buy in top quality second options isn't it because you sign someone like Tellis really you're getting two players because you're getting an, an improved Luke Shaw and mm. you're getting Alex Tellis and it's the same argument you'd make for them to strengthen at right back because not only do you want to have a different sort of right back because obviously Wan-Bissaka isn't great going forward but you just want to make Wan-Bissaka better and having, some, having someone breathe down your neck grits as a, as a pro that must I guess it must either it must separate the wheat from the chaff mustn't it it must see who sinks or who swims you've got a new player battling with you for position if you're not gonna, if you're not up for the battle, you'll drop out and you'll lose your use your place. And if you are up for it, you become a better player. Yeah, and it's about having a manager that's brave enough to make those decisions because then the player always has a bit of doubt in his mind, knowing that he can't just turn up and expect to play. Um, and I think Solskjaer's kind of getting that now. I think Solskjaer's, you know, he's he should be uh, full of confidence from the way that things have panned out. I, you know, we've spoken on for the last few weeks about how people, you know, this is a, a very unpredictable and the ability for other teams to beat each other means that it's going to be so much more poly contested. But it's just interesting to see that, that he's the manager coming out on top of the minute. Yeah, you know what I thought was uh, really fascinating was Liverpool's two centre-backs, Henderson and uh, Fabinho. Mm. Um, they defended brilliantly, but it's so, it's so exciting to see two centre-backs that can spring attacks. You don't see that very often. Two ball players who can hit that direct one or they can feed something between the lines. You just don't ever see that. And there was a few times on the game on Sunday where you just go, well, one of the two have got the ball. There's now an opportunity in transition. I love it. I, I'm, I'm all up for having as many attacking, sodic, attacking midfielders, strikers, stick them at the back. <laughs> it's that urgency from when they get the ball because they're so used to looking forward um, yes. what good midfielders are that they can now see the whole pitch. So they're like, hang on a minute. And if you've got the range of passing, um, which they have. Um, and, and if you're not being pressed. Yeah, exactly. And you've got guys in front of them. I mean, they their lineup. There was no real depth to their midfield defensively. When Alden will always do a job, and Thiago likes to dictate from there. But you didn't have a setter, so they just they had to push on and and almost yeah. spark attacks, which was brilliant. Whereas you know the counterpoint being that that's exactly why Man you played the way they did because if you've got McTominay and Fred just sat in front, um, that must be incredibly difficult um, to kind of penetrate yeah, that, yeah, basically yeah. basically a unit of five. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, hard to believe, really, but it's Thiago's home debut. Um, is it too early, Gareth, to say that he is Liverpool's talisman already? I mean, he looked so good when he was on the pitch yesterday. He just, just dictates the game. And it obviously, it, it seems to come with such ease. Um, and whenever you know he has, he's obviously made sparing appearances, obviously, with his, his various injuries so far. But whenever he's played for Liverpool already, he just... Yeah, he looks ready-made, which I guess he is. He's, you know, he's a Rashford player. He's played for two incredible teams, but you know, there doesn't appear to be a transition period or a period of needing to get ready. And I guess maybe that, you know, the best chance for Liverpool to to challenge City is probably to get him fitting in the team regularly. And also the same with Diego Jota. Diogo Jota, got to pull you up because uh, I do I get pelters for that. Diogo. Mm. Um, and his family. <laughs> uh, Tiago, I mean, he he controls games, whereas United's main man Bruno, he, he doesn't really control games as much as he just sort of has these moments. And in the game against Liverpool, he he just didn't quite fire for him. And yet, having said that, he could have scored twice. Mm, I yeah, I, I I don't think that this he was one of the worst players on the pitch yesterday. Which yeah. um, and you know there there are a couple of muted performances, and like you said, you know he is. Even on his worst days, there are always a couple of moments where his quality shows where he does something exciting. At his best, he's more of a, a player who can dictate. I mean, it did beg the question as to why maybe Donny van der Beek didn't get a chance. You know, that's his role to come in and, in theory, you know, run a midfield and to be able to play in all phases of the game. So uh, I appreciate, you know, Fernandes has become a talisman. He's been incredible in the last year, but he's played so much now that quite potentially some fatigue is coming in. Yeah, I would have thought so. Uh, right, we've mentioned Liverpool's uh, front three, and I think it's worth dwelling on a little bit longer because for the last two, two, three seasons, they have been unreal. They've been unbelievable. And I think it's hard to judge players in this season of all seasons because so much is going on away from the game and there's so much football being played on the pitch. But is it going to be time, do you think, for a refresh this summer? Do you think it's time that Liverpool cash in while they've still got value in them on, on one of the three or maybe two or maybe three of them. Grits, let's start with you. Oh, I mean, the, the, listen, I think that was, Yota was brought in to, to be able to take the pressure off and to mix it up and he did exactly that, didn't he? I think that the injuries have been particularly cruel. Um, it's just interesting to know that they haven't really got another way of doing it. You can't, you can't switch into a two. I mean, Mane getting, I think I've spoke about it before in this, but his attitude when he was taking off for Salah to come on and score a couple, that, you know, all is not, all is not right uh, within necessarily the three, not just on form, but off the pitch. So, um, you'd be crazy not to, and Liverpool must have the reserves to, to go out and get exactly who they want. There's a, you know, there's a lot of disgruntled players out there at the minute, and, and you would take your pick, but I wouldn't know where to start. Yeah, Gareth, uh, if you're Jurgen Klopp and you're even thinking about refreshing that front three, who, what sort of names are going through your head that could maybe step up? And it it must them. be a pretty short list, that's the thing. You know, in order to replace one of those three, you have to hit the top of the tree. And the obvious one, you know, the player who's linked to every big club in Europe now is, is Haaland, uh, because he just seems an incredible talent. You know, Dortmund... Uh, apparently he's going to be available for a hundred million. There's there's various release clauses in his contract. Around, get him on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, I, I think <laughs> hundred mil. Ten about minutes me, a week. I mean, he looks like a genuine phenom. Um, every week he seems to break another scoring statistic in terms of volume and age. Uh, you know, in 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 Germany, which is 
as good a league as, as any other. So I'm yeah. sure if you ask a Liverpool fan, he's probably top of the list. But, you know, I'm sure if you ask a, a Real Madrid fan, they'll stay the same. Give or take a give or take an Mbappe. Do you know who I'm? Uh, do you know who I'm who? thinking might just go there? And I, and a player who I rave about constantly. You know who it is, great. So who am I talking about? Jamie Vardy. <laughs> no, no, that's not, that's a great I shout. Think he'd no, be, I think he'd be I, brilliant there. But yeah, we'll come back to that. Yeah, no, I mean, no, stay on that. Yeah, what, a why, why years, Vardy? Couple of years out of I me, mean, he's not expecting to start every week. He's an absolute thorn in the side. Klopp loves him, and it's the sort of move that Sher- uh, that Ferguson would have done, bringing Sheringham to Man United, yeah. bringing those players that have got that experience. But also, he's got that absolute nasty streak that you, you can't buy that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Getting yeah, that yeah. in your dressing room and putting a nice face on it, getting Klopp to smooth the edges. Oh. I mean, it'd be a great, it'd be a PR thing for him. Is he the sort of uh, Klopp striker though? I mean, he seems to like this withdrawn number nine, doesn't he? Um, I mean, and if he's not going to start every game, do you think it's worth building a system around around him, or is it like you say that you just it's just another option off the bench or in in every other game? Impact player, and exactly what we were yeah. saying about putting pressure on those other two. If if they're not playing well after sixty minutes, they're looking at the bench, going, "I better pull my socks up," or I'm, you know, giving Jamie Vardy half no. an hour at someone and attacking from wide. Dreaming. No, no, no. You're not pulling your socks up. What you're doing, you're pulling them down. Nice small socks. are going for Jack Grealish. That's who <laughs> I'm going for. God, if, I'm yeah. if I'm Liverpool, I'm going all guns on Jack Grealish. I'm saying Mane, one of my favourite players in the league. Let him go while you've got a lot of uh, lot of value in him still, and bring in Jack Grealish. Because I tell you this, I believe that whoever gets Jack Grealish, any of the top four or five clubs in this country get Jack Grealish. It gives them a significantly improved chance of dominating, and I mean dominating in the Premier League for the next three or four seasons. That's how highly I rate him. A ball carrier who can do everything. Who it would revolutionise. It revolutionise whatever side he goes goes to. I think Grealish is the guy for Liverpool, and you know I can absolutely see it happening. Yeah, I, do you know what? There's, there's, there's certainly value in that. And uh, um, yeah, I completely, of course, Grealish, Mark. Of course, Grealish. I mean, you heard it here first. But yeah, I'll be interested to see if that happens. Oh, Jackie, we can get in the gossip columns as one of the, uh, one of the sources. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's ways. Grealish, Liverpool, source, whistleblowers. It only, right. it only takes well, one well-timed tweet and a false identity. A friend of mine who's uh, a singer in the band Lost Campesinos once famously. Mm. Uh, so he's he's verified on, on Twitter. So he's a blue tick. He changed his name to Martin Samuel on a, a, <laughs> a transfer deadline day. And he chose a sort of a middling uh, <laughs> transfer that was, you know, believable enough, which was uh, Liverpool's uh, number one at the time, Pepe Reina, to, to Arsenal. And uh, it set, set the internet ablaze. Uh, unfortunately, he also lost his blue tick. It was incredible. <laughs> Did I mean, it was yeah. worth it. Totally worth Definitely it. That's worth it. It's one of the it's biggest puzzles I've ever story. seen. There's, there's really great reportage on it on, on the Vice website. So just look for Lost Campesinos and you know fake transfer news. I'll uh, I'll link it to the to the um, tweet. Yes, and yeah. we'll stick it out so uh, everyone can have a read. Well, do it in the break, guys. And not you guys, guys that listen to this. Have a little look at that during the break because uh, we're going to have one of those now. When we come back, we'll talk about Mason Mount, we'll talk about Spurs, we'll talk about West Ham, and of course, we'll talk about odds on favourites of the Premier League, Man City. If you want an e bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, Something that's less Mr. Bean and more Steve McQueen. Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. 
from dope 250 watt city bikes to Harley Bobber inspired 750 watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Welcome back to the show. Hope you had a nice break looking at Los Campesinos. Is that right, Campesinos? Yes. Perfect. Very good. Very good. Not bad. Not bad. Um, This, you know what, this season has been... We all say it's, it's been a mental season. Impossible to tell what's going on week to week. You can't make predictions. Six weeks ago, Chelsea were going to win the league. Then they were going to get relegated. And uh, now they're sort of playing okay again. They're in the middle somewhere. But in Mason Mount, I think there's. I think that's one of the best central midfielders. Now that he's sitting a little bit deeper, one of the best central midfielders in the league. Uh, Gareth, discuss Mason Mount, please, for 90 seconds. <laughs> he's... Um, Almost. I- yeah, I, I have to admit, I, I think I was one of those people who was waiting to be waiting to be convinced. Um, and he, he he's been brilliant, and he he's obviously a Lampard favourite. He had him at uh, at Derby, and he knows what he can do. And you know, he's he stepped up brilliantly. You know, from last year in in that first game uh, for, for for Chelsea against Manchester United, but um, he he must be you know Lampard's first name on the sheet at the moment. And I know that's a cliche, but. Um, that's probably the case. He's, you know, he now dictates games. He, he, I think playing from deep in the last couple of weeks has allowed him to get forward and uh, create shooting opportunities. You know, he could have had two uh, at the weekend. Yeah, indeed. The overload, uh, you know, very much the Frank Lampard, um, you know, the timing of arriving late in the box, you know, that his other shot hit the bar and, um, you know, so he could have had a couple. And I think it's, it's interesting to see where he, you know, if if there is a new manager, whether he's going to get that same level of um, uh, you know sort of centralised focus, because you kind of feel that maybe it's him or Havertz in that club. They probably have two, not in that club, but as a starting player, you know they they. Yeah, but it's Havertz playing. Is Havertz playing Leverkusen? I don't recall Havertz playing as a as a, a, a deeper midfielder, as a central midfielder. I always recall him playing a bit more attacking role. No, so that's, that that, that, that's fair. No, that's fair. He, he he would either play sort of wide or maybe behind the striker. But um, yeah. I, I agree. I guess, that, yeah. The start of the season was certainly playing more as maybe not ten as such, but certainly as a very attacking eight. And now he seems to have moved to a proper eight. And I just feel like that 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 move six seven yards deeper, he's become a different player. And he's now he can do everything that I want a centre midfielder to do. In the same way that uh, Yuri Tielemans at, at Leicester, I think they're quite similar. They're dynamic. Maybe Mount isn't as good in the tackle as Tielemans, but I just think he has kicked on so much that I would say, Grits, and I know you're not bothered about this, but I'm going to ask you anyway. I would say no. he's probably currently England's. He's probably England's number one centre midfielder. I can't think of anyone who'd get in there ahead of him. Maybe Henderson, but he hasn't been great this season. Sorry, you, you think he's, he's their number one, number eight? Their number one, number eight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, listen, he's, his energy levels, his ability. I mean, it's very hard because he's 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 kind of being compared to Lampard, and Lampard was exceptional, and he had the ability to score the goals that he did. I mean, he was helped by having an incredible Chelsea team around him. But yeah, some of the stats from Mount on against Fulham. I mean, he was you know he scored the goal, created the most chances, most crosses. 
most touches, most like dribbles. I mean, they, you know, he's got all of that side to him. I think the England team, he's exactly the sort of player that I'm sure Southgate would love to build a team around. Um, and you, you don't even need to build it around him. You just need to slot him in because, you know, his yes. attitude and his work rate, I think he's brilliant. I, and you, I remember you raving about him when he was at Derby. Absolutely. Um, exciting player to watch. That's I think that's a big thing. If you can go to the championship and impress, it shows you've got that quality, particularly at a young age. I mean, we won't, we won't see the best of him for a few years yet, which is even more to his credit. So, um, you know, as long as he keeps fit and keeps playing, then, you know, you've got a, an incredible player in your hands for England, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, interesting as well, Gary Lineker tweeted over the weekend that he thinks he's Chelsea's best player. Not just the mm. first name on the teacher, but actually just the best player. Well, I mean, I'd almost say the first name of the team sheet is the most important thing because, you know, who can you rely on? Uh, what, who's going to be able to replicate the best performance? I mean, I don't know if he's the most talented player, but he's certainly um, perhaps the most reliable at the minute. I was going to say that being their best player, uh, maybe that is slightly more indicative of the players who are not playing as well, because in theory, yeah. your best yeah. player shouldn't be your, you know, your how was he? Nineteen twenty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're you're a young player. You've brought experienced players in who should be, you know, guiding him. He should not be the one having to lead the team. Yes, but the fact that he is speaks uh, speaks volumes. Yeah. I think that I think you're right. I mean, technically, they've got some unbelievable players at Chelsea. I look at Pulisic, Ziyech. Um, I mean, I, I know Havertz is is fantastic. We'll hope he comes good because it's uh, it's it's always good for the league to have top class players. Um, Meanwhile, Timo Werner's struggles continue. I only saw a bit of that game. He came off the bench and really just looked like he had the weight of the world on his shoulders. Um, how do you play through that, Grits? He played through what? How do you Sorry. play through a bad run of form? And yeah. are you not listening again? This happened last yeah, week. Yeah, no, I was Timo Werner. I was be prepared, just, Grits. I, be I was, prepared. Just, you know, I can't, I can't keep up with you. Um, I'm, I'm getting old. <laughs> um, no, I, it's difficult because he's not really you, you play through a bad spell. He's not really caught fire you know what I mean he's had he's had a couple of good games but having a consistent performance in the Premier League I mean we're talking about Mane and Salah a moment ago and seeing that how, how difficult they find it and that's two players that should be able to just stroll on the pitch and, and reproduce their best form because you know the, the confidence they must have so uh, I'd, I'd suggest that the manager has to kind of keep trying to play him in, in, in his best position for a start and perhaps I don't know I think you 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 give him as much confidence as you can by playing him against teams that you're expecting him to do well against and then protecting him against some others. But, yeah, but yeah, yeah, I mean, it's difficult with a price tag like that. How many how many players, specifically Chelsea players, have we seen come in and, and struggle? You know, but oh, big names that have come in. Yeah, always. And they come in and, I mean, this is without fans. So God knows what it'd be like with them. Well, maybe best without them at the minute, to be honest. Yeah. The last thing you want is away fans just sticking it in every time. Um, we've got to talk about Fulham, though. Um, four of the last five they've drawn making themselves much harder to beat. They look actually pretty good, but it is now a question of turning those draws into wins, isn't it, Gareth? I mean, I think they, they've got a shot at staying up, but what yeah. are they, four points off Burnley? It's going to be difficult, isn't it? They, Yeah, they do, but I, I think the key thing, like you said, the performances have just improved immeasurably over the last couple of months. And, you know, I, I think Scott Parker is, is leading them very well, both both tactically and in terms of, you know, keeping the club united and focused. And, it, they have a really nice assortment of players. I think they have good attacking talent, especially. Um, you know, I, I, they obviously sort of rifled through the bargain basement bin, and they, you know, they, they've come up with some gems. And I, I do think that they're they're certainly a team I'd probably like to stay in because they're 
they are really fun to watch. And yeah, I know everyone likes Fulham, but you know, they they are putting together a really good account of themselves. It's it'd be a lot more exciting than, you know, something as turgid as as, as West Brom have now become, put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's a shame because West Brom got a great result at the weekend. But but I mean They've got some good players, West Brom. I'm just looking. I'm just looking at the bottom of the table now. West Brom have got some players that can change a game. Fulham now have obviously Sheffield United. Are, I think probably done. Mm. But above Fulham, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? Burnley are just seasoned at this and are starting to hit their stride a little bit more. Brighton, great result for them at the weekend at Leeds. Newcastle, are the ones that might slip into this, especially if they have, uh, you know, big players out with COVID. Yeah. The cells and uh, some maximum yet to come back. So, I mean, Fulham, what, what, what chance do you give Fulham? Martin, out of 10, 10 being the definitely going to stay up, one being zero chance. Oh, God. I, I mean, mean zero, being zero I'd, chance. I'd give them five, but that's coming up from three. I, I'd say okay. that since January, since the players that they brought in have had this impact, um, also they look willing to try different things. You're absolutely right, them stopping the rot and getting these draws. Actually, it's, you know, that mental. I mean, Brighton did it recently, um, you know, when they were just kept drawing games. But do you know what? There's a mentality that goes with that that um, you can build on um, because it just shows there's a lack of weakness. You know, obviously Chelsea, they're playing against teams with greater resources that started the the season with everyone they needed. Fulham have kind of started from, you know, December. So uh, to be honest, it's going to, it's going to be incredibly difficult for them, but, um, but Gareth's absolutely right. They've got the right manager, Parker. um, They've got a, a squad that they would look at and say, well, they probably priced it to play in the championship next season. So contracts and everything's probably set up and, you know, they, they're the sort of team that could come straight back up. And they, that, that's, that's been their MO for, for, for God knows how long, hasn't it? Yeah. And I think also it, it would make sense to stay with Scott Parker. I mean, he's not, he's not yeah. doing a bad job at all, is he, with what he's got, like you say. Um, right, let's move on. Um, Gareth, you're a Spurs fan. Uh, everyone wrote them off a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, again, this topsy turvy season, this, that all of a sudden, in with a shot, aren't they? Jose at the weekend away at Sheffield United did the unthinkable, which was score early. No change there. But then actually go for the jugular and try and score a few. It was quite fun to watch, wasn't it? It, it was. I, I think uh, Sheffield United looked so um, sort of downbeat, which is strange because obviously they, they won their first game uh, just for this one, but they just were completely not at the races and Spurs, I think, could have scored a bucket for and I think they had a had a pretty easy ride. I mean, obviously when uh you know when McGoldrick scored to make it two one, that was the the shot in the arm or the or the you know the little warning that Spurs needed to not let it happen again and you had that incredible goal from uh uh Ndombele. Oh, oh um, soon as soon as he didn't mean it. No, I mean honestly it's nonsense because he's the only player in the box. He looks up and I, oh, it, I I'm I'm one hundred percent on board with this. I'm not i I'm not agreeing with Sunes here. But so I, I don't is, even know how Sunes all it's, over. It's a ridiculous thing. To it, say. It's judging somebody by your own standards, isn't it? Just because Sunes can't imagine being able to do that. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going, not <laughs> and really sure that either. Sunes has decided Dombele is just another Pogba. You know, he, yes. I think Pogba's the player <laughs> he hates most in the world. And you know, he probably thinks that Spurs is one of those as well, which is you know, completely unfair. You know, uh, and probably been... Outside of Son and Kane have been so good, but he's probably been Spurs' success story this season, given that in the summer he wasn't necessarily even expected to to hang around much longer. No, that's right. Um, Their next league game is uh, home to Liverpool. 
obviously a very difficult game. Brighton away, Chelsea, West Brom, Man City away. Tough games coming up, four points off the lead at the minute. Is the aim after that run of games, so mid-February, is the aim just to be around the top four still, or are you looking still to get first or second place? I think uh, Champions League will be seen as uh, a successful season in terms of league placing for sure. And I, I think Mourinho uh, probably doesn't think that his team are ready yet. I, I think he either feels they're going to need another year of you know, tactical work and training ground work, or most likely he's probably going to look to overhaul the defence even more. Um, I think, you know, I, I think... Rodon looks good though, eh? He does. And, you know, maybe that's the case of next year, you know, in the summer he comes in and, and Mourinho says, okay, actually maybe you're, you're my guy, but he's not sold on Sanchez. Eric Dyer's interesting in that he's, you know, since he's played a lot of sense back, he's obviously become more reliable, but you know, I don't think he's ever going to be a top class defender. So I, I suspect, you know, uh, is going to, going to, going to push for one more. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of ambition, Liverpool is a key game. I, I think if you can beat Liverpool, then maybe you can start looking at the top two. But, you know, Spurs don't do very well against Liverpool at all. They're almost the one remaining team they just cannot get a result from. It's your time to play them, though. You know, point, back, point yeah, behind them, same them. games. And, and Liverpool, I mean, that's not a nice... You know, just looking at the form of the teams, Tottenham, you just, you know, getting back to the winning ways, but not getting beat, you know. And, and Liverpool have that cross against their name. So it's... I don't know. I, I think it's a good time to play them. And there's nothing Absolutely. Josie likes more than playing uh, the top teams and, and pitting his wits against them. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Really looking forward to that one. Um, okay, we are running out of time. We've got, uh, we've, got, we've got enough time to cover these next couple of topics, though. Um, because Man City now, I mean, we have said it for a couple of weeks. And the bookies have seen this coming because they had them odds on a couple of weeks ago when they were down in fifth or sixth. But now they're surging forward. They were... They were great against Palace. Palace can be quite hard to break down at times. Obviously, at other times, they can concede seven to Liverpool. But 4-0 at home, superb at the back. They look impenetrable there. Uh, they just look like, to me, they look like they're on, they're on the march now. And I, I think they're going to win the league by six points. Oh, well, that's, I mean, that's music to my ears, being a massive Man City <laughs> fan. Isn't it? Uh, I, I thought they were great. Uh, I love the resurgence. There's, there's a, you know, the redemption stories are always, always beautiful, aren't they? And Jordan Stones has just come through this Perfect. now. Yeah, I know it's great. It, um, I mean, take away the goals and he's still, he's still perhaps been one of the most consistent performers. Uh, Seven clean sheets out of nine games that he's played this season. And I really like it when you, the important thing is to strike up a partnership and we'll come on to West Ham, I hope, in a, in a, in a minute because they've done exactly the same thing. Get reliable defenders that, that work hard for each other and want to work hard for each other. And it's amazing. So it's so much greater than the sum of their parts. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I mean, yeah, John Stones, he was he was completely written off, I think probably by me at some point. I completely take it back. I do need him to do it for a, a, a lot longer, though, and, and be consistent over a long period of time because... It is only nine games, however brilliant he's been in that time. So hopefully he can continue like this for the rest of his career because he's such a quality, talented footballer. Mm. Um, and you, you're right, with Ruben Diaz at the back, it just looks fantastic. It just looks it looks really, really solid. And the fact is, Gareth, that Laporte, who is probably one of the best two or three centre-backs in the country, he, he can't get in the team. Yeah, and he's he's had a very tough... 18 months of injuries, you know, it felt like just as he was peaking as a player, you know, then he, he succumbs to, 
to to a number of injuries. So it, it is tough. But you know, Guardiola definitely seems to go through phases of just liking certain players and certain combinations, and you know, he'll, he'll play them for a while. Yes. And, and, yeah, and then players will just disappear. I mean, Carl Walker, who has been as close as you get to a stalwart in that defence. Um, I, he obviously played uh, at the weekend, but has barely played recently. And the parties uh, to go to, mate. He's busy. <laughs> he's busy. He's got a lot of stuff going on in lockdown. But uh, whereas Cancelo, who you know came in uh, mm. last year and had a very quiet start, and I, I think a lot of doubts raised, is now you know is now flying, and he's he's the attacking fullback that they thought they were buying. Um, yeah. Mendy, you know, is. I, I think I think his time is done. Pepper's obviously never been quite sold on him, and he, he's just not getting the opportunities to play. So he was superb in his first few games, wasn't he? And then I think it's worth pointing out that that injury he hasn't been the same since that injury. It was a, yeah. I think it was a cruciate ligament. I mean, it happens, doesn't it? Yeah, it was a very tough injury. I mean, but Guardiola is always he, he talks about attitude and mm. and being prepared to play, and and obviously he's I think Mendy's quite a big character. He has an, a presence on social media, and I think that irritates Guardiola as well. But in terms of you know unsung heroes or, or sort of re-emerging heroes, you know uh, Gundogan has been uh, brilliant for the last six or seven games, and you know his return to the team has really kind of um, you know tied in with how well. Uh, City, City are playing, and you know, there were all the goals were were great um, yesterday. But his was probably the pick of the bunch. The well, the, the second. What, what does what does Gundogan do then for you that that makes him stand out? I, he's maybe it's kind of almost similar to to Mason Man, but he's a player who I think some people uh, feel just sort of grinds it out in midfield. But he's he's a real box to box player. I think you know he's he's technically fantastic. You know when he was at Dortmund, he had a huge, huge reputation as as an emerging player, a player who could become one of the best in the world. And again, you know, uh, he had a terrible injury there. And when he went to went to Man City, he basically arrived. Uh, they they bought him injured, and he then yeah, had, had to start rehab. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he's had more injuries, so I think people, you know, maybe haven't seen the player he is. And you know, when. He he's now been pushed up quite high behind the striker, which I think is where you know De Bruyne De Bruyne's been playing, and you know it takes quite a lot to 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 displace him. And you know Bernardo Silva's played in that position, so I think essentially a space has opened up for him in the team, and it's it's his best position. And I do think so. I do think he's one of Guardiola's favourites and always has been. And I think he's always tried to find a place for him, and I, I suspect we're going to see him feature for the rest of the season. I also think, and this might uh, get a few tongs wagging. I think that Gundawan is uh, the best finisher at the club. I think he is. Oh. I think he's just so composed. I always feel like when he has a half chance, he's got a very, very good chance of scoring it. Grits, was that you making yeah. that noise? The, yes, the, it was. the disbelief. No, nah, well, I, you're probably right in terms of his conversion rate because he doesn't get as many shorts. And when he does, and so Aguero isn't playing crucially. That's that's yeah. That's the other thing. <laughs> he um, he's responded really well to a couple of things: uh, the responsibility of playing uh, and in that position, but also just playing week in week out. It just it's amazing how quickly players get up to scratch. Uh, John Stone's the same. It's literally just give players match fitness and um, and and they respond so well to it. And you know he, you know. It, it, he has got an opportunity this season because that, as Gareth says, there's a space that's opened up for him um, and he is, is taking that. But I mean, what, what an embarrassment at Riches to be able to just keep rotating those guys in behind the strikers or even De Bruyne. Yeah. Like De Bruyne just, you know, 
coming almost took his foot off the pedal yesterday and just played a bit deeper got in, got involved in areas and was like you know out wide whipping balls in yep. you know as we saw for the goal um, and, they can, and they can bring on Phil Foden I mean one of the most talented young English players I think I've ever seen yep. can just come on for half an hour I mean he's also a guy that it, it's it's impressive how Gundogan is able to play alongside Foden because you'd have thought in this more expansive role for Gundogan he'd, they'd be sort of treading on each other's toes but they're all just they have this really great understanding and all of sides have had this but they had this great understanding of, of space and it's just such a joy to watch players play the way the way they want to play yeah no I, without that yeah um right let's get into your precious west ham then shall we grits um <laughs> yes please they uh same same number of points as uh chelsea same number of points as southampton who we've raved about three points clear of villa who i'm in love with despite villa having three mm. games in hand um, I mean, they're not going to get Champions League, but they're going to give it a pretty good shot, aren't they? Yeah, they've been brilliant. Uh, and just the players that, that, that have turned up for them, you know, they're, they're responding really well to the tactics. A couple of games, Moyes has maybe got it a little bit wrong, played too defensively, and he's and he's made he's been brave enough to make decisions at halftime, going, do you know what, I'll push people on, like bringing on Lanzini, um, freeing up Susek to go forward rather than penning him back. But, you know, Declan Rice has been incredible. The, the, the players I was talking about in terms of partnerships, Ogbonna and Dawson. Dawson has yeah. been incredible. And, like, the response from the West Ham fans, when I just, you know, they, they, they serious doubts uh, of him, and Watford fans are delighted to play see the back of him. But um, he's been cre- he's been incredible, and um, you know just really dependable. Um, and and listen, Cresswell's been great. Four hours came back into the side and and just didn't miss a beat setting up the, the goal. I think um, that plus Antonio getting back to fitness, perhaps you know Haller's you know not having a Haller there's a. I, I, he was perhaps I wanted him to be an impact player, but I don't think he was the right fit. And and it lets Antonio just give him the responsibility and get someone to take the strain off him when he's you know, getting tired. Because I think yeah, yeah. That if you play him and pin your hopes on him, uh, you usually come out winning. Well, Gareth, um, West Ham seem to have trouble. They're now signing signing strikers. It never seems to work. Now they've got Antonio up front, who. You know, historically, hasn't really been a striker until the last couple of seasons. Uh, is it a case that they need to buy someone else to to be a foil for Antonio? Because as we know, he you know he does get injuries every now and then through overplaying. Um, or do they just continue as they are and just hope that nothing happens to him? Well, it's a bit of an issue because Moyes came out uh, yesterday and said she said that he's going to have to manage his injury. Uh, or his recovery for for a long period of time. So he's not going to be playing every game or he can't play every minute, um, which begs the question, you know, when when you pack uh, Aller off to uh, Ajax, then, you know, there is a big hole there. Apparently they are chasing quite hard for for some some backup support as strikers. So it's, it's, they they must be viewing the season as an opportunity to, to do something. And if that's a top six, top seven finish, I think for West Ham right now, that is a huge achievement given that they have, you know, they have underachieved quite, quite notably for the last uh, four or five years. And, you know, it's uh, the board, you know, at some points it felt like they're on the precipice, um, you know, possibly another club, but not having, not having fans for, for a year and allowing this team to bed in with, you know, let's not forget a, a pretty unpopular manager, um, you know, certainly for him to come back, I think West Ham players, uh, West Ham fans were very much, you know, saying this once again shows a lack of ambition. Um, but allowing that team to sort of bed in 
and 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 in all honesty, you know, overachieve. I think they're punching above their weight, and that's not that's not a criticism or or a snide comment. That's you know, that's huge praise for what they are collectively doing as a team. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it, it was not dissimilar to the the Steve Bruce at Newcastle. Mm. Um, scenes wasn't it with with uh, with more his fans were gutted and then you had the Diangana situation he's done a, he's done a really really good job he is a really really good manager uh, just to let you know on the striker situation the Telegraph today reporting that West Ham are weighing up a move for Montpellier's 26 year old French striker Gaetan Laborde and that has got West Ham written all over it that is a guy that will come in at 25 million pound he'll score three goals and then he'll go off to uh, I don't know somewhere in Germany in two seasons time <laughs> I'm not expecting a reply to that by the way just a, a statement. <laughs> um, Grits, to go back to your um, your partnerships thing, where's Issa Diop this season? Is he injured or what? Because he was someone who I always liked. Yeah, I I, I can tell you. Um, I've not. I've literally, from what I've seen of, there's been a, a big rotation of players that just haven't featured and haven't haven't been involved. So I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on with Diop. Um, but no. yeah, the, I, mean, I liked him a lot. Yeah, I t- to be honest, I know he, he was one of those players that always put in good performances. But I mean, that was when you know, there was a lot of inconsistencies in, in those West Ham teams. We're talking about the games yeah. that they've been winning. Yeah. I mean, the Everton, Burnley. These are teams that when they play them, you're like, I have no idea what the score's going to be. I literally, <laughs> yeah. I could not, I could not, I wouldn't want to gamble on it. I wouldn't go near it in a kind of accumulator. So, um, so yeah, there's yeah. I, I, there's a few of them missing out. I, I will do a full scouting report for you next time, Mark. I won't be unprepared. Yeah, thank you. So, sorry, Thanks, Right, let's uh, oh, go on, Gareth. Uh, David Ornstein of the Athletic reports that West Ham have also made a 30 million euro offer for Sevilla striker Youssef En Nezri, who's a uh, yeah. Moroccan forward who scored 13 goals in 26 games. So they are piling up the West Ham esque forwards. <laughs> this is me on Football Manager, just picking up. Just the, <laughs> I can't go for the elite. I shouldn't go for the bottom barrel, so I just go for the anyone in the middle. Um, let's wrap up by talking about Leicester. Um, they are they sort of ruined the whole narrative, didn't they, at the weekend? We're all going to talk about United versus Liverpool. First against second, going to be great. It never happens. And then Leicester go and beat Southampton. They look great in the process, and they uh, they ruin that storyline. So Leicester, for a while, they were second. They're now third because of Man City's win, but they look brilliant. Uh, a player I've mentioned already in this this show, Yuri uh, T. just looked fantastic. Two assists for him. James Madison scoring a lovely goal and probably the best celebration of the season so far. Gareth, uh, are Leicester better than Spurs? Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, they certainly are in terms of, um, I think they play to their strengths better than Spurs do. Um, and that's, you know, that's obviously a, a big, big thing. I, I think, you know, Brennan Rodgers is quite good at sort of diagnosing his teams and, and, and getting the best out of them. Um, another big shout, I, I think, is to, to Mark Albrighton, who a player who, I think we just assumed wouldn't be there, you know, 20 years later, but he's still, you know, he, he's, he, he's just very good. He's, he's, he's got a great foot and his, his crossing in particular is brilliant. And, you know, they've, they've tried to bring in other wide forwards and attackers and he's outlasted them all. So, you know, he probably doesn't get much love, but he's been, he's been fantastic. And I, I do think that, you know, they've got a game coming up um, in a couple of days against, uh, against Chelsea, which is Tomorrow a big, night, big deal. Yeah. For, for for both clubs and um, you know I, I think if Lampard doesn't get a good result there he'll there'll be a, even more pressure and if Leicester do get a good result then they're going to re-emerge in that conversation for a, a top two or three spot. 
Yeah, so Grits, we've mentioned, I think, pretty much all of the top seven teams, yeah, with yeah, the exception yeah. of Everton. Who's, um, who's, who's dropping out of this Champions League race then? Someone's got to miss out. Who's it going to be? Uh, I mean... So United, City, Leicester, Liverpool, Spurs, Everton, Chelsea. Let's, let's stay yeah. there where, where we are now. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I think Everton, that you have the feeling that they would be the ones that maybe would drop out. I think Tottenham will. It's Three of them have got I to know. drop out. It's, it's, I think Chelsea. I, I can't see Chelsea. I just they've been too inconsistent. I think Everton kind of the same. I think they you know they've struggled setting half the season. I think Liverpool have to get, get their act together in terms of the guys up front. But there's no doubt in that they're going to be. They'll, they'll be fine. Yeah, they'll do. They'll be fine. Um, and then it'll be Spurs and Leicester battling it out. I reckon because I mean they're 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 going to be the ones that perhaps resource-wise, will be difficult to bring in players of the calibre. Um, United do seem to have a bit more depth, don't they, at the minute? And that you would get players back to fitness. I mean, their, strong looks, their squad looks strong. City are going to, yeah, romp it, I feel. Well, we're currently on... It's so tight up there. I am sort of surprised. We're currently on the 18th of January. There's not long left of the window. There's not been any moves, really. Gareth, are you surprised by that? You'd have thought maybe a couple of, uh, couple of teams would look at this and go, this is a real chance now to... Consolidate top four. Yeah, even, mo- you know, down towards Everton, even. Most of the moves do seem to happen in the last week, as is the one. Yeah, there's obviously brinkmanship yeah. uh, that goes on, but you normally get a sense of what might happen, and there isn't even a sense of that, as you know, no. as you're saying. There's, you know, there's no kind of big, big moves. I think people assume that Liverpool may have been linked to to a centre back. Uh, perhaps they feel that. You know, Gomez isn't too far away, and that Fabinho is actually potentially the answer going forward. Um, but yeah, there isn't there isn't much. I, I think teams like Arsenal, um, you know, they obviously have issues they're broad, but they may just be looking at the entire situation, saying we can't fix this in January. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to fix this fix this with a bigger overhaul in the summer. But um, I guess it's hard to. You know, there's the usual issue of you know what great players are actually available, and then also teams saying well are we one player away from actually improving things? And, you know, maybe clubs don't feel that's the case. No, well, the scene is set there, and the scene is nicely set for uh, West Ham to sign Montpellier, 26-year-old French striker, Gaetan Laborde, <laughs> and he come in and score 40 goals, and West Ham come fourth. Um, right, OK, that's uh, all we've got time for in this week's Whistleblowers. Uh, if you like the show... Uh, you know, share it, retweet it, do whatever you can. Review us on iTunes, please. That's yeah, the best. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah, yeah. Review us on iTunes. Good shout. That's the first time I've ever said that. We've been doing for twenty so. years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Review us on iTunes. Tell your friends. Do what you got to do. Thank you, Grits. Anything to plug, Grits? No, no, that's it. I mean, these are coming around thick and fast. This is literally the only thing I'm doing. So, uh, so yeah, we'll speak to you next week, mate. Uh, Gareth. Uh, so next week is Independent Venue Week, which is uh, you know where a, a big light is shone on all the key smaller music venues in Britain, and especially obviously given that they remain firmly closed at the moment, being aware of them and finding out how you can support them is very important. So keep an eye out Excellent. for that. It's across all the media. Brilliant. And you can catch me on the Football 365 show Mondays and Thursdays. Uh, right, that's all we've got time for. See you next week. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Bye. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.